because I just really didn't recognize myself and I cried every day. She was so open in this episode about the struggles she's faced being a founder and being a mother and also her really tough experiences during pregnancy. You pitching seven days after birth. I can't even imagine. I worked all day, all night. We've got a, like an investor call. And like, oh, how old is he? I'm like, a week old now. They're like, oh, that's cute. Okay, so let's get into it. It's a myth that you can have it all. I just don't think you can have it all, all of the time. You don't always do the school run, but then you feel guilty that you're not doing the school run and they finish school in the middle of the day. We expect women to be at home as if they don't have a job and expect people to be at their job as if they don't have children. My learnings are that I couldn't really get the help in the time that I needed it. It was really hard. It was really hard. Do you mind talking about what made it so tough? What is up and welcome to this episode of Working Hard, Hardly Working. Today, I am so excited to be talking to Laura Jackson. Laura's professional biography is honestly one of the most extensive I have ever read. She is a prime example of how to ace a non-linear career path by saying yes to opportunities that feel right. From hosting Take Me Out the Gossip to writing cookbooks and now founding Glassette, which is kind of known as the net-a-porter for homeware, which had a Christmas pop-up in Selfridges. Laura is the ultimate plate juggler, and that's without adding her three kids and a recent funding round into the equation. I'm such a fan of the business she's built at Glassette, and she was so open in this episode about the struggles she's faced along the way not just with the realities of being a founder, but also with being a founder and being a mother and also her really tough experiences during pregnancy. And I felt like that was just such an incredibly honest and open conversation. And you could tell how from the heart it was. And I feel like these conversations are so important to have so that it's clear how many people go through this and how much everything you see online is really kind of I mean, we all talk about it being highlight reel. It's such a cliche, but it really, really is, especially when it comes to looking at people who are definitely kind of by definition doing it all. I just thought it was a really important conversation to have. And I cannot thank Laura enough for being so open about it. If you did like this episode, please make sure to like and subscribe. It hugely helps the podcast. Please make sure to let us know which types of guests you like, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of, but only if you're nice and polite. And as always, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Um, it helps us to make the podcast better and better and just have conversations that you want to hear. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited <laughs> to have you here. We've already had a little bit of a teaser of a conversation. I just want to get straight into right at the beginning, your mm -hmm. early life, your childhood. What were you like as a child? Oh gosh, probably very cheeky, right. I think. Yeah. I can't, I feel like whenever anyone ever asks this, I can't ever really remember because mm. it was just really chaotic. I was one of five in a split family. And there was always lots going on. My mum was brilliant in terms of like always having an activity for us to do. Mm. So yeah, it was a busy start. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
and yeah, in Huddersfield and constantly busy, loved being busy as in like finding things to do. So like crafting or drawing or running around or, you know, it's like pre-phone life. It was brilliant. It was just, we lived next door to a field in Huddersfield and by this little stream and we just used to mess around in the stream and it's great. I know, isn't it so wild actually, just like a small tangent. I heard a quote the other day of someone just saying like, as children, we used to have so much time to be bored, like mm. literally just to like be yeah. bored and sit there like, I literally remember sitting on the stairs at home being like, <laughs> yeah. cool. Like when it was like a school holiday or something like mm. you'd literally just be sitting there like, mm. so what next? Like, and then you just go out and like play picking some grass out the floor. Yeah. I mean, even as adults, we're constantly entertained now, like mm. we're on our phones and everything. Yeah. But none of us, including children, have any time to be bored. Yeah. I feel like that must affect us so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the screen chat's interesting, isn't it, with the kids? But yeah, I try and create opportunities to not do things, but it's more of a thought process to get there rather than a, oh, it's everyday boredom. Yeah. I'll just go find some flowers and make a perfume for six hours. Sure. I'll try I and sell it. to people for, for 50p. So out there. <laughs> <laughs> we would literally like look at the CD rack and be like, mm. it's going in alphabetical order. Yeah, like that's yeah, what's being yeah. done right now. Um, did you always have big dreams? Like, did you always think, I want to be on TV? What were your aspirations? I loved telly as a kid. Like I mm. love telly. I love telly now. I love how it makes me feel. I love the escapism. I'm dyslexic. So reading was never something that I enjoyed because I found it quite difficult. Right. Um, I loved imagining things when I did read books, but I got so much out of telly, but I didn't really understand that there were jobs in telly, if that makes sense. Right. Like I knew there was actors and I knew that there was presenters, but I didn't really understand the mechanics of, you know, like this people working in on like the production and the logistics. And I, I didn't really know about that um, because I couldn't see it. And I didn't really know anyone that did that. So I always knew that I'd love telly. And when I've spoke to people from school, they were like, you always wanted to do big things. You always want to go somewhere and do something. And so I guess I did, but I don't think I knew it or I knew how to articulate it until mm. I've had children of my own. And I, I look back at that time, but I like dreaming big. It's, it's, it's a good it's a good place for me. And how did that original Dreaming Big end up with you like getting your first jobs on TV? Like talk to me about the beginning of your career and how it even took off. Well, I've always had a job, right? Because I'm one of five. So my mum always said, if I'm giving you a fiver, I've lost 25 quid. I've got to give everyone a fiver. <laughs> so, so true. So I've ha always had a job, whether it mm. was delivering leaflets, babysitting, washing up in a pub. Like I've always worked, right? I've had this hard work instilled in me from a very young age, even make your bed, tidy your room. My mum's like, I'm not making five beds. You can all make your own yeah. beds, which is, I was like, that's really harsh. But now I'm like, absolutely. Oh my God, there is no way that will not be my, like yeah. that is going to be the full ethos. My mum's always done things in a, she's an outsourcer. Like we all had, it was all delegated from like day one, including her ones. Mm. So rather than like, I'm going to make five beds, it was okay, we're here if you want to watch TV and like want to have dinner, you've got to get all of the beds, like all of yeah. the rooms ready for bed, including things like unfolding up. Like we had a turn down service. Like we would literally like go upstairs and like turn on the, she had this little electric blanket, delegated from day one. 
it's very good tactic. Yeah, yeah I like Rules it. Rules 101 about yeah. running a team. She was like, I have given birth to a team of people. Yeah, yeah. You've got to look at it that, that way. I mean, she did. I, I say to my daughter now, teamwork is, and she goes, dream work. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> but um, it's true. It's like, it, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good lesson to instill early on for sure. I forgot what the question was. No, that's fine. So have I. Oh, talking about the, how you originally like first got into oh. TV. Oh, yeah. So I've always had a job. My circumstances changed and we moved from Huddersfield to Leeds. Uh, my mum ended up getting sick and I studied, um, instead of moving away to go to university, I decided to study events management at um, Leeds Polytechnic. I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. So spending four years studying parties seemed like a great idea. Yeah. Then I moved to London out of my home with my mum and moved to London on my own. So then I kind of I'd always worked, but I had to really survive then. Uh, my parents have been like lovely and support me, but you know, I, I needed to get a job. So when I moved to um, London, I transferred my course um, for university. Then I kind of started like working, working, right? And um, I'd do anything for money in terms of, I wasn't fussy about the job. I had a job as a cleaner. I was like desperate for money. So I flyered around all the houses near where I lived and just said, I'll do anything like maintenance, cleaning. And I um, cleaned a lady's house did like PR jobs where I like dressed up as a gin bottle, handing out leaflets at the train station, you know, all of the things. Yeah. Very early on, I knew I never wanted to have a nine to five. The thought of a desk with a picture of my family on for me never felt like it was my mm -hmm. thing. So I liked the kind of the randomness of all of these jobs together. And I think actually that's kind of informed how I've gone on as a person, like at the heart of it, the foundation is like community and making people feel good, but there's lots of different like avenues and paths that come with that. So then I got a job working at Shoreditch House. It just opened and I was like, this is great. I can work four, 5 p.m. until it closed at like 3 a.m. I wasn't spending money and I was saving money. I really wanted to go to South America. And I met somebody there and I was like, I really want to work in telly. And they were like, why? And I was like, because I love telly and um, really bad. Because <laughs> I watch TV. Because I watch telly, obviously. Um, not very good at acting. I kind of wanted to... Yeah, I wanted to be a host and that's kind of how it started. I got introduced to an agent um, they sent me for an audition. I got the audition and then they managed that job for me and it kind of just went from there. But very, very slowly, I think it's been brick by brick. For me, it's always been about kind of learning. Mm. And what is life as a TV presenter like? For everyone who sees like the glamorous outside, mm. can you give us a little bit of an insight into what it's like, especially at the beginning in terms of like the, how regular the jobs are, like what you're actually spending the majority of your time doing, mm. all of these different things? It's really tough. It's really tough because I suppose it's a job where you're really putting your personality out there and that's mm. like, that is authentically you. I think from like the inception of me kind of going into that broadcast world, I always wanted to do other things around it. And I think that it, for me, I, I always like things that make me a more well-rounded person and try and challenge myself. So as I was doing broadcast and I was thinking about ideas and having meetings and it felt very much that my future was potentially in the hands of other people because I was asking them for a job. And I've always done that from a very young age that's all I've ever known, right? So having a situation where I was meeting people and asking them for a job or like, am I good enough? It didn't feel very me. So I'm like, right, what can I do that kind of takes control and creates an opportunity for myself? Yes, I can write pitch decks. Yes, I can 
pitch ideas. Yes, I can think about all of that kind of broadcast work, mm. but what can I do that's ownable, that's mine? So me and a friend started a supper club and this was over 10 years ago, I can't remember. Um, but um, we didn't invent the supper club, but we were very ad early adapters in a movement that was inviting strangers around for dinner and creating an experience. I love experiences. I love making people feel a certain way, which is why I love telly. Making people feel a certain way, whether it's broadcast or food, was really important to me. We started the supper club and then that kind of took off. We got a cookbook, we designed a, two ranges for habitat, and then this whole lifestyle, food, entertaining thing came out of me. But it was always in me because I was always the waitress at home when I was having, you know, helping my mum, like if friends were coming over for dinner or whatever. So being one thing 15 years ago was all people wanted, right? They just, they wanted to put you in a box and they wanted you to be a TV presenter or a businesswoman or whatever it was. And I never felt like that. I never felt like I was one thing. And I think that it's now really accept as you know, right? You know, you do multiple things and it's very accepted now. Mm. But I felt like when I started, people were like, oh, sorry, what do you do? You're mm. a broadcaster, but you do a supper club. Oh, that's, ooh, that's Yeah, that's it was very much, it's like the gig economy has like gone from being, th th there was an unglamorousness to it in the yeah. way that like the assumption was that you couldn't make money from just one thing yeah therefore you and you weren't good enough at it and therefore you had to like plug it with yeah. all of these other things around versus like the desirability of now of like a multi-hyphenate career of like yeah. oh I'm this and this and this yeah and it's a really interesting shift yeah like I think about a lot how that's changed so quickly I think it, because it used to be desirable or as a sign of like the way society was seen in terms of work, it used to be seen as desirable to have one thing and be able to maintain that one thing for yeah. like 30, 40 years yeah. in terms of like a career. And that switch now in terms of like, you have more freedom if you're able to decide what that looks like mm. is a really interesting mm. change. Well, I think it was always acceptable for men to do multiple things, but right. for women it wasn't. And I think I was met with questions I would say in terms of what do you do and what do you want to do but for me it always felt comfortable to do multiple mm. things because I felt like they were complementary to each other you know meeting people at a supper club and introducing people and creating a network and a community actually was empowering and important for my broadcast work mm. so it all kind of works together I think. And how did you find energy outside of like trying to make it in the TV industry to also be trying these other things like supper clubs. I think it's so interesting because I think that like now we have so much pressure to like monetize every hobby yeah. because they're like, it's been democratized mm. in like, you can't monetize everything, like literally everything, everything is content and everything is mon monetizable. So there's this, like, why would you do a supper club if it wasn't like it has to be something then that makes money. And I think that's really interesting in our like shift in perception of like how we spend our time. I don't think like that though. But 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 I, I agree that's yeah. the right way to think. As in I agree that we shouldn't all think like that. But yeah. I do think there's been like a societal shift in moving from that way to another. Yeah. Was it just like a, are you one of those types of people that has like boundless energy in terms of like you spend a day doing an audition and like trying to get something and then you gain more energy by doing something like a supper club. Is that kind of what you're like? I've got so much energy and I'm a very creative person. And as I say, like 
I'm opportunistic, right? So mm. if I go on holiday and I eat an amazing taco, I'm like, oh my God, I want to invite all of my friends over and make these tacos for them. Right. And yeah, everything has become quite transactional, which mm. is quite sad. Yeah. But actually that's what you decide to do with that, right? Because I know for me, it's important that, yes, if I'm doing something for a job for a brand it's very much about making sure they get the content and they get exactly mm. what they need right it's a job but it's about how you're making people feel and that's not transactional I go to events where it's so noticeable that there's a great group of people who are really present who want to talk to you who want to engage who want to build relationships who are in that moment yes we take a picture but it's actually like what you get from that is so much more than making it transactional and monetizing mm. because that's you as a person. And that's really like Instagram could be gone tomorrow. TikTok shop could be gone tomorrow. Like what's left if that all goes? You want to make sure that you've got relationships and I don't know that you're happy with yourself and you're, you're, you're a good person, not because it's you've been paid to be, right? Yeah, of course. And I do think that there's like an element of it that like demonizes the individual for mm. like making decisions to monetize more. Yeah. Whereas like we have been presented like almost a society now where if you're not taking those opportunities, then you're leaving money on the table and therefore whatever situation you're in, it could mm. be better and therefore it is only your fault if you're not. Like that's kind of what the mm. economy now says yeah. based on the fact that like, if you could, do you see what I mean in the way of like, there's a kind of ethos that like, if you could be making something out of this mm. and you're not, then you're leaving that on the table. Mm, I, I don't think that's true for everybody though. It's in like, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe we differ opinions on this. I think I, I, it's, it's a shame, isn't it? I do totally agree. And like, it's the world now where I, it's like, watch Masterclass. Why don't you want to be a billionaire? Mm. Why don't you want more for yourself? But sometimes money isn't more. No, no, but that's people. exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is that because we're presented with a society that's almost like made up in that way, mm. it gives us the impression that we're leaving money on the table if we're not taking every single opportunity to like mm. make more of it and monetize something. Yeah, yeah. It's such a tricky world to navigate. That mm. is for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think just always being authentic and true to yourself and doing the things that, for me, I'm like, can I go to bed at night knowing that I've made the right decision for me and my family? Mm. Is You know, I, I, I say, I'm sure you're the same, saying no to opportunities where you don't think that if somebody offered you a lot of money to do something that you didn't believe in you wouldn't do it because you yeah, don't believe in it and I think that it, it, it's so it is just so tricky now yeah it's so tricky that's exactly what I mean like I mean that it's very it feels hard to navigate like it feels yeah. like you're always making the wrong decision whether it's the wrong decision <laughs> for like an opportunity or whether it's the wrong decision for like your livelihood like whatever either way mm. it feels like there's a risk of not saying like yes to something or another at that stage in your career when you were obviously starting out and kind of trying a lot of different things and going for a lot of different jobs what was the wildest tv jobs that you've had I did a really lovely show called World's Most Talented where I traveled around the world for UK TV doing this talent show that was amazing amazing I met the most interesting 
people who invited me into their homes and cooked me dinner and looked after me. We went to this um, Romanian family's house and we'd met their daughter who was a gymnast and she was a contortionist and she could basically fold herself up into the size of a crisp packet. They were so kind. They invited us to their house. We had dinner. They gave us this homemade vodka. They had like these beautiful lace tablecloths and walls just kind of full of family pictures and heirlooms. And I was like, this, I'm so lucky. This is so culturally enriching. And they didn't have a lot, but they gave us everything. And it was just such a, it was such a lovely, warm experience. And we didn't capture that. We'd gone to kind of her mm. school to, to see her gymnastics. Um, but just that side of it was, was just amazing. That connection that we had with them, it was really great. I really loved that. Yeah. And did you like having these incredible experiences and like being able to experience so many different things through one job, I think mm. is like unbelievable. Yeah. Did you think that you wanted to be in TV forever? Like when did you start making the decision to, you know, concentrate on things like design and, and founding a company and kind mm. of making that move? Well, I, I started my supper club not really long after I'd been in broadcast. So mm. I think from very early on, I wasn't like, this is the one thing that I want to do. Right. It was kind of always a collection of things because I like to be inspired and I like to inspire and I really like to be creative. So it all kind of fed into each other. I think when I, I think having children um, and maybe that kind of having more ownership over my career then perhaps presented more kind of like the segments of my career as it were but it's all they've always kind of they've always kind of been the same thing I think I've just re, like kind of defined what they are as I've grown older and wiser hopefully and I've still got I'm still so young I've still got so much to learn but I think I'm just learning more about myself right and my niche and what I want to do and I think that kind of lifestyle living my kind of philosophy is a life well lived. I like mm. to think, do things beautifully and I like to do things well. Um, I don't like to do something with 10%. I want to choose the projects that I want to spend my time and I can be present with people and give 100% to and making sure they look lovely and they're there to last mm. rather than maybe when I first started, I was like splattergun, like I'll just do everything and see what right. sticks. I'm very, I'm very, I know exactly what I want to do now. And where did the original idea for Glassette come from? Well, a couple of things. One was that I love homeware. I love looking at things and I love having this emotional connection to a mug, a glass. I collect yeah, things. Sorry, we didn't give you a nice one. No, it's nice. There's no emotional connection there. <laughs> but I've always collected things from wherever I've gone and I love them being like a talking point. Like, oh, I got it there and I've, I've, mm. I bought it from this lady and she made it, all these things. So I kind of wanted to create that feeling but online I, there wasn't a marketplace doing homeware in the way that we were doing it we wanted to be the, the first place that thought about content and community as well as product mm. so that was one reason another reason was I was buying lots of homeware and I felt it was really fragmented and I had like 10 tabs going like oh what's that what's that oh would they look nice together so I kind of wanted to create one place for it all and another reason was that I had my son and um, at the time I was doing supper clubs um, under um, host and I got a legal letter from somebody telling me that they wanted me to take down my Instagram and to stop doing my supper clubs um, and um, I was really upset because I, I, I was like I've built this out of community 
I've built this because I love people and I love bringing people together. Mm. I'm a really good connector. Anyone will say, if you ever want to meet someone or get connected or know, like ask Laura, she'll couldn't get you, she'll send you the email for the table that you want to get booked or whatever. Like I just love people. It's really important to me. And I was so like, wow, why would someone do this? Why wouldn't someone try and get my telephone number and, and call me? And was it like a like a trademark type violation thing um, or like a... Yeah, kind of, kind of a you're stepping on my toes sort of thing. And, right. I, and I was like, oh, I really yeah. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. We can all have supper. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it was, I was doing food. So. Right. But also, yeah, like there's so much space. There's so much space. And for me, I'm like, make friends. Let's do things together. Right. But and I was really, I was really, really upset. I just had a baby and I was like, but all I want to do is for people to be friends and to create community and someone's trying to like take me down basically also I'm like what do I do with a legal letter I'm quite no sure like, logistically where do we go from here <laughs> yeah I'm like Google I've just had this letter and I don't there's no way in that space I don't even understand so I, I and I was really like oh okay well what and then, I, and then it kind of flipped in a way. And I was like, well, what can I do to empower as many people as possible? Mm. What can I create where I feel like I can make people never feel like this? I want to create a big community, right? Let's start in the UK, but let's build it out as a, a big community where people feel welcome, where people feel accepted, where people can share ideas and opinions. And that was another reason why I wanted to build Glassette. So they were like the three key Three very good reasons. Yeah, three pillars. And did it start as a kind of side hustle type thing? Did you think it was going to become a kind of full-blown business as it is? I wanted it to be a big business from right from the very beginning. Mm. I know that it will be and um, I'm so passionate about it. Um, for me, success comes from passion. Success is so subjective. It means different things to different people. But for me, it was about creating a community where I could help them with a life well lived. That's like my saying for everything, life well lived. And so I wanted to create a life well lived for lots of different people and for two customers, right? The brands and the people that were buying mm. from us. So yeah, I, 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 I want it to be a really big business. Nice. I'm like, I, I just must have been a crazy person because I worked all day, all night. Like I was getting up at like 4.30 a.m. and working until the baby got, I, I was like, just worked and worked and worked. Mm. I had a really good network of people because um, I was writing for Elle Decoration and I love interiors and I love chatting to people. So I just got loads of brands and said, this is what I want to do. I've not got a deck yet, but I promise it's going to be great. And they were like, well, we know whatever you will do, you'll do it with love and passion and care and honesty. And I was like, okay, this is great. And that kind of gave me a bit of a like, yeah, okay. So we're really doing this, right? Yeah. Um, and I went to my brother-in-law who um, worked with John and Christian at End. And he was a buyer. Um, he was a buyer there and he really understands product. And I said, I've got this idea that it's kind of like a not on the high street meets a cherish, meets a kind of um, Food 52. It's empowered by community and content and product. And he was like, I would love to do this with you. So um, we did that together and we just... Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know. We just worked and grafted and I don't know a single thing about business. I studied events management university. I, I basically just, I look for the light and I work hard. Mm. And just keep on pushing. Keep going. Thing. Keep going. I think that's so valuable because I also think that it's like, it's so intimidating yeah, and it's it so is. easy to think like, there's so many steps to get there. And it's like, yeah, there are so many steps to get yeah. there, but there's one right in front of you. 
and then there's one tomorrow and then there's yeah. one the day after and you can maybe make two one day yeah. if you'd like really push and it is just like I've had so many people on this podcast who've literally said like I walked down the street and I went into a shop and I asked them this and like that's how yeah. I got my answer and that's how I found this person and it really is it's just about movement like yeah. it's just about like pushing and trying the next thing throwing a few things at the wall yeah few of them don't stick but one of them does yeah and like that kind of perseverance not needing to know it all I feel like there's so much it's so easy to get terrified by the fact that there are all of these steps and the fact that you don't know everything. Mm, yeah, totally. And it's really important not to know everything or not yeah. to think that you know everything because you you, you don't. Like it, it's it's so important to be open and vulnerable to learn. Like mm. curiosity is so important and um we can't all like we can't always um we don't always have as as much time as we would like, but right. kind of try and using our, our time as effectively as possible, um, which I'm sure that you agree. It's like so hard to, to yeah. balance everything. But um, yeah, I think having integrity and just hard work, it is hard work. And I, I, you know, this kind of like whole like live work balance juggle thing. It's, I really like, to, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out in my head at the mm. moment because I really like working. It's not, it's not, it's not horrendous as in I really enjoyed the work that I do and I feel so lucky that I do. Some days are much harder than others, but um, I think having, having, like, having that passion is important. Mm, no, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, in a world where we do have to work, like pretty much all of us have to work, yeah. creating something that whether it's the job itself or whether it's the people you work with or whether it's the type of work you do, like physically problem solving or whatever it might be. I do think there's a lot to be said for in the world where we all have to work for the ability to create something about what you're doing that you enjoy, whether that is like the overall job itself or whether it's like, it doesn't need to be that you feel like there's a for a lot of people, it will be that there's like a greater purpose and that is a huge privilege and that is, you know, a great mm. place to be. But also even just like the people you work with or the way you work or the problem solving you're doing or like the ability to go there every day and come home and like be paid for having to interact, for having interacted with like interesting people. Yeah. I think it's such a, I mean, there's so much to be said for it and it's such a privilege to be able to do mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Massively. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Obviously, homeware retail is famously quite saturated. Like mm -hmm. there are lots of brands that have been and gone. There are lots mm -hmm. of brands in the space. There's lots of noise in the space. Yeah. Why do you feel like Glassette struck a chord and was able to kind of cut through that noise? Well, I mean, we are, we're a tech business. We are a platform. We sell product, but we don't own anything. So it's right. very, it's quite different in okay. the way that it's set up. But what we do is we curate. So our USP is curation and the brands that we have on and the meaning behind those brands and how we can communicate those brands with our customers. And I think it's contextualizing everything and giving, giving product meaning 
it's, it's not about just sell, 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 sell. It's about why do we, we don't need more things. Mm. But it's about creating this life well lived. It's about the emotional connections to things, right? It's, it's about making people feel good. It's about adding joy to people's lives. I get joy from glassware and curtains and wallpaper and turns out lots of other people do too. Yeah. So I think that that's why we've struck a chord and we're accessible and we have a great tone of voice and we, we really love our customers. Um, we are still kind of, you know, early stages. We've just had our second birthday just and we're still very much learning. I mean, we have got such big, exciting ideas and I'm sure like Tali, you know, lots of people come to you with lots of ideas and collaborations and partnerships. So it's just figuring out, I, I, it's, it's consumerism, but I want it to be thoughtful. That's really important. Mm. So it is brick by brick. It's step by step. It's building a business that's going to last. And every decision is really important. Every decision is really thought about. Um, and maybe people, that resonates with people. Maybe people can, I don't know, there's like an undertone that people get yeah. from the way that we talk about things, we talk about product, the way that we do our editorial, the way that we talk talk to our customers. Mm. It kind of, it's important, right? It's, you're building a brand, as you know, you're not just selling products. Right. And I think that that's the difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that brand is what means that someone you know, they might have bought one product for you, from you and like it, but actually that's the thing that's going to get them coming back again and again and mm. season after season when they're thinking, oh, do you know where I found something really great last time? Mm -hmm. It is like, there is so much, you know, obviously social media is incredibly powerful, but that curation thing that you were talking about in terms of like how someone is able to come to your site and not just, it's not just shopping. Like it's not just about mm. buying something, acquiring a new piece of something. Yep. It's about the like taste making process and the journey mm. and like mm -hmm. understanding like oh is it this one I want or yeah. this one I want and that kind of curated approach to homeware I do think like is so you know anyone can log on to a site that's yeah. made by one company and mm. it's kind of you know that's what they're selling this season yeah but actually having that emotional connection that kind of decision making behind why that is part of your yeah Inventory or not inventory because you don't have inventory, but like well, it's about it's about discovery, it's about inspiration, it's about looking at things that make you feel good, and you don't have to buy first time, but you'll come back because you know that's a space that makes you feel good, and that's mm. really important to me. Again, how does it make people feel? So important, and we've got such amazing ideas. Oh my god, I just wish I could tell you like what we're doing next because it's just so great and. I think I'm such an ideas person that I, I, I just, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And I think that that kind of energy um, hopefully comes through with the business and through our kind of socials and our newsletters and our editorial. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I'm so excited about the business. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole thing having a business and being a founder, but it's something that I really, I really love it. And how was, you raised 1.2 million in funding. Yeah, so we've raised we raised 1.2 first round, and we've just we're we've just we're doing like a rolling close with this next round, which has been really hard. It's not the right landscape, as in like in terms of like mm -hmm. the funding landscape at the moment is crazy. Mm. Like it is the most insane. I've heard every single founder talking about like how unbelievably tough it is at the moment. Mm. What's the what's the aim with this next fundraise? 
It is two. Well, I can't totally tell you because it would be giving our kind of um, strategy away. Um, but it's to just supercharge the business, mm. to get more people knowing, shopping. Um, yeah. And let's talk about, you, you've spoken openly before around, you know, being a mother and being a founder and kind of how, obviously, you founded Glasset after you know, you kind of already had children, mm. but how have you found that journey? I can imagine there were uh, certain things that are more flexible because it's your business, but also certain things that mm. the business doesn't wait when it needs to, you know, have some issues. Yeah. Um, how have you found that? I, th I find um, juggling and balance um, something that I'm trying to get to grips with, I guess. Um, I've My baby is... Not in eight nine months I should know um and having a business being a founder is tough and I but I I don't do it on my own and I think sometimes the misconception is when you see people's you know daily situations on Instagram you might think oh it's this or it's that but it's um yeah it's it, it it's it's chaotic but I I really like I thrive in chaos but I can't do everything as as you as you know. You can't mm. do everything all of the time. And I think it's a myth that you can have it all. I just don't think you can have it all all of the time. I feel yeah. like I'm going in a very roundabout way of saying that um I'm just figuring out I'm figuring it out right mm. now. Um I'm very lucky that I have a co-founder who is in the business every single day. I think about the business every minute of of, of every day, every second. I have a notepad by my bed and I usually wake up in the night and write down notes or if I see something, I've got you know files on my phone and on my computer for inspiration and whatever. So it's always in my head. But the other things that I do feed into the business, so I have to make sure that I have time for everything. Um, I just have to be disciplined, I think. But yeah, I'm figuring, I'm trying to figure it out. And what have been your biggest learnings recently in terms of that kind of figuring it out, like the best way to, I mean, I completely agree. You can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. Like yeah. you've got to, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's going to be give and take. Yeah. I think, I think my learnings coming into a new year are that I want to be more thoughtful about the decisions that I make and I don't have to do everything all of the time. Usually right. I'll write like a 12 month plan, but actually this year, my plan is 18 to 24 months. My plan is to take, to be slower about things. It's not about um, shouting the loudest. It's not about um, like launching in 10 brands a day. Right. Like people, I, I want to be more thoughtful. I want to be slower. I want to build brick by brick. So I've got something that lasts in every sphere of my life. Mm. And that kind of hopefully will free more time. So when I do do the school run, and which I don't, by the way, I have help with the children. Right. Because uh can't do everything all of the time and they finish school in the middle of the day. I know. What is that about? <laughs> because actually that's one of the things that has been, is the biggest shock coming into adulthood. You remember that children finish school at three. Yeah, 3.30, 3.30, yeah. What is nine, that about? Nine till three thirty. How does anyone deal with that? I know with it's kids? really hard, and and people, it's 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 perhaps tricky because we don't, as women, always want to be like, oh, we don't want to talk about these things, but then we don't. We're like, why aren't we talking about these things? It's, right. Again, it's trying to figure out the balance, and kind of taking down the mask of the 
Well, you, you do have someone that helps you with yeah. childcare. You have to, or you don't always do the school run, but then you feel guilty that you're not doing the school run or you're on the school run sending a quick email or, you know. But the school run is after you need to be on the way to work. And finishing yeah. school is before you need to be coming home from work. Yeah. Like, I truly don't know how anyone does it. And I, like, I one of my like most formative experiences with the fact that like I've always had a mum who like works very very hard has always been very like career driven mm. and I remember I used to be so jealous of all of the people who like saw their parents in the evenings mm. and I first of all I think it was the best thing that it it's taught me so much mm. so like anytime I'm speaking to people who I remember I had someone on the podcast who's a female founder and she was like are you like are they gonna hate me forever and I was like it's the best thing that like ever <laughs> happened to me yeah and I just but I do think that like how on earth else would it work like it's so I don't know we have such poor provisions for Mm -hmm. women in work mm -hmm. and, and then we have why... such high expectations and we expect women to be at home as if they don't have a job and expect people to be at their job as if they don't have mm -hmm. children mm -hmm. and we ask women in interviews whether they have children or whether they're thinking about having children exactly because we don't think we have enough things in place to make them still be able to do their job properly mm. and it's like that's so loaded yeah. and tough yeah. and like when you think about it we really only are like 70 years into it being acceptable for any woman to have jobs anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My worst thing is when people say busy mum. I, I really, 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 um, I, we're not allowed to say hey in, in that in our house. I always say to my daughter, don't say hey, just say you don't like something, but I really don't like that phrase. <laughs> but I really would like to use the H word. <laughs> yeah, I really would like to use the H word, but in case she's listening, she's not, she's four. Um, yeah, I really her downloading just, her podcast for the day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you're, you're like literally nail on the head. Yeah. yeah. What have you found the toughest thing about being a founder and a mum? Um, I think it's just, I, I, I think I struggle. I'm, I'm a people pleaser to my detriment. And I think that I just always want to do the best for everybody. I want to pick up my daughter from school and be really present. But then I also really want to be in that meeting and learn about what's going on. And, you know, but you just can't be in all of the places all of the time so I think just I don't know I don't know if you ever don't feel guilty I'm not sure um or I don't know if you just make peace with the fact that you feel guilty and that's just how you feel mm. um so probably that and have you felt that more as you've had more children or the other way around well I don't know because I just fired them all out sure so, so I mean very I've got productive very productive three I have three under four so I just well four and under so I just I just um yeah, I knew I wanted three children and I used to be a nanny for my um, friend's um, twin and um, she had three girls and I just, oh, I just loved them so much. So I from from then I was like, right, I'd, I'd like to have three. And I think I thought maybe it's just easier to get it all out of the way because <laughs> um, I don't enjoy being pregnant at all. Mm. Um, so I'm kind of, in a way, I feel like I'm taking everything that I've learned and everything that I've created so far. And now I'm kind of going into this year knowing that um, I'm not, it sounds awful that I'm not, but like it's such a privilege to be pregnant. Like I find talking about this really difficult because I'm very torn because it's a miracle. It is a miracle. And it's also not everybody's choice. Not everybody wants to have children. So I feel very, very, I'm grateful and I'm lucky, but I feel like maybe now I have a bit more headspace going into this year thinking, right, like, I don't have to worry about 
sneezing and weeing all the time. Or well, actually, mm. that's all I do. Um, but going into kind <laughs> but of it's nice to see a horizon while that might not be the case. <laughs> do my pelvic floors now? Can you tell? <laughs> um, but going into it thinking more kind of work rather than yeah. working it around being pregnant and. But also just because it's a privilege to have been pregnant and to have children, it doesn't negate your experience. No, and it no. doesn't like you. And I know you've spoke openly about this before, and mm. you know how challenging your mm. third pregnancy was yeah and that will have been so valuable to so many people to hear and like there is we talk about mum guilt you've talked about mum guilt at work there's mum guilt around pregnancy there's yeah. mom, like you're carrying so much and so much expectation to also love it and be excited mm. at every time and mm. to feel grateful and like you can be inherently grateful and hold gratitude and still have had a really fucking tough pregnancy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I really, it was not, it was not a fun time for sure. <laughs> and what, do you mind talking about what made it so tough? Well, I don't, I, it's, I can't really pinpoint, it's not like a, I think, I don't think you can pinpoint one thing. I think it's just, you don't do anything. Your body's doing it. And you, can you imagine how hard your body is working without you doing anything? And you don't really understand what's going on because sometimes you can have a good pregnancy, sometimes you can have a bad pregnancy. And I think I'd had a good one, an okay one, and then a really bad one. Mm. And every day was just a struggle. Every day, I feel I can't talk about it. It makes me upset. <laughs> it was really hard. It was really hard. But I think I'm. So, I'm I think I'm. So somewhat of a like, it's fine. But I think mm. it was just, it was a real struggle because I just really didn't recognize myself and I cried every day. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite an optimist. So yeah. to, feel, to feel like reduced to not really understanding why I felt a certain way was quite difficult. And it's really hard on the NHS because there's so, there's so many people that need help. So when they, they do refer you, because they're like, well, because um, postnatal depression is spoken about so often, mm. but antenatal depression isn't really spoken a lot. And you can't, um, you've got a bit of, like you've got, you're on the timeline, right? Mm. You've got the date when the baby's coming in and around. Um, and yeah, I just, I couldn't really get, I couldn't really get the help in the time that I needed it. So I was like, just trying to do things to, I don't know, I guess make myself, feel better but then the baby came and it, it was so much I, I felt like a weight had lifted off me it's hard isn't it as I'd, 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 I've never felt that low before so I I'd, I'd, right. I'd kind of and it came out of nowhere really so I don't know just trying to manage it I guess yeah no but I can't even imagine like the because one of the things we obviously have to carry as women and we can say all of this with an underlying, like it is a huge privilege to have children and to get pregnant mm. and all of these things. Mm. Which is why I find but, it hard talking about of it. Of course, but like at the same time, your experience is so real and it's so important. And there will be so many people who actually, just as you've said, like feeling confused and not mm. knowing where it's come from and not knowing yeah. how to fix it. Like there will be so many people that feel that way. And we've, for so long, we've, first of all, we use gratitude as like a weapon with which to like, kind of smack women back into place in terms of those things, mm. even between us. Yeah. Like it, there is this expectation that we should be carrying it so gratefully that actually, you know, why complain? But also yeah. it's not about complaining. It's about the fact that you had a really tough experience. Mm. And just because it was something to do with nature, it doesn't mean that it's any 
less important than if you had a tough experience going through grief or going Mm. through like a really terrible time at work or just depression as a whole like all of that must have been so much for your body Mm. at the same time as you also don't know what's happening next and you're also carrying all of this expectation that you need to be as healthy as possible Mm. so that there's nothing wrong with your child as well like that is I can't even imagine how much that would have been to carry Mm. and to make it through each day whilst also still feeling happy and grateful and positive like positive about the future like yeah like where does it stop and then going having the baby and then going straight into a fundraise for seven months and being sure oh okay hey I I can't Mm -hmm. even imagine you know it was the worst thing it's like oh we've got like an investor call and then and then they're like, oh, you had your baby. I'm like, yeah. Oh, here's the baby. Oh, no. oh how old is he? I'm like, oh, I think he's um, uh, seven. seven he's a week old now. They're like, oh, that's cute. Okay, so let's get into it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And I kind of, it didn't feel as challenging as the pregnancy because the pregnancy was not enjoyable. And I really felt a bit like, I, well, yeah, as, I, as you just saw, like it was just hard. Mm. So going into that, I was like, oh, well, it doesn't feel as... At least I feel like I've got a bit of my brain back. But that was, I mean... I mean, that is a comedy sketch. Like, that is literally like a skit. But, like, you pitching seven days after I was like this, like birth. this on my, on my... So then no one could see, like, anything from below my face. I think, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, the, like, again, it's how do you talk about... Sometimes I'm like, how do you talk about fundraising as well on on a platform or a podcast or a your Instagram, like really like the, sometimes it's conversations that are kind of safe with your friends where you can just be like, Mm, no, I know because you've got an audience and you've got maybe the audience of the fund, like the funds you've got, like, you know, it's also a niche conversation and like all of these different things. Mm -hmm. But again, it's like your reality. And it is like, when you listen to that as a human and like what you went through and what you've been going through, when you listen to that as a human, take away any expectation of like, oh, but they should be grateful about this and you should be grateful that you have a business Mm -hmm. and you should like all of these different things. When you listen to that as a human, it, you, like, you see how tough that was. You see how, like, what you had to go through and all of these things. And Mm -hmm. so, like, there is a lot of validity to that as an, like, as an experience and something that is crazy. Like, it is crazy that you were on funding calls seven days after, Mm. like, birth and that you felt like that was better as well. (laughs) But, like, that was easier than the previous seven days or, like, than seven days before that. Like, you're incredible. And to have done that and to, I don't know, I just can't even imagine like what that all would have been like mm. and to sh- to the outside as well I think it also goes to show like how much you know everyone looking at all of your beautiful things and all of like how <laughs> incredible it all looks and stuff and you know you're doing such hard work every day I mean that in the least like I just heard myself say that that sounds <laughs> so patronizing but like in terms of you know I mean it just it must have been so tough mm. yeah but I I, I I do believe in kind of like in adversity, you can thrive because, mm. again, you find the opportunities. And actually, um, there's some kind of avenues that we could have gone down where we could have raised a considerable amount of money from a fund. But actually, the ideas that we've had now for the business would not be there. Mm. So I think that I always look for the positive. I always try and look for the light. And I think that it's been, I always, like, I keep saying this to people. I'm like, oh my God, shut up. But 2023 was like a year of growth and learning. And I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about what is important. I learned so much about the business. 
so much about how to run a business. And, you know, I get decision paralysis sometimes because so many people have an opinion on things and it's just taught me how to deal with that. Um, and, you know, I, it, you, you're creative. I'm, we, in terms of food at home, right, just to... I'm really frugal. Like, I open the fridge and there's, like, four things in there. And John's like, oh, my God, there's nothing to eat. And I'm like, yes, there is. <laughs> I'll make something. He's like, how have you made... I mean, it's not great, but how have you made this out of, like, like, like a really sad, very sad carrot? Right. And I feel like that about life. I'm like, well, okay, it's really hard. And with the funding journey and we've 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 spoken to this person that person we've emailed how many how many people who've not got back to us we've 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 had so many no's so many doors slam in our face but then it's like you have to you look at the business differently right and you are so resilient you're so hard that you then think about creative ideas and, mm. and and I think that's really important yeah and I do think it's true to say that like on that specific example with like funding there is a reason why so many of the businesses that are literally given like 100 million on an idea end up failing because yeah. they spend so badly and yeah. they like pursue such like the ideas you know you don't need to be frugal mm. like we are so productive with our spend now because our budgets are like everyone who joins the company is like oh my god and it's like yeah well our margins aren't where a normal fashion business is because mm. we do x y and z yeah and like that's that's what's made us like be how we are and be like creative and like all of those different things yeah. if you were talking to the you at the beginning of 2023 oh my god this time last year not good what would you say to her oh gosh you'll get back in your jeans <laughs> don't you worry don't throw them away. But like, more as in a like, you'll get back in yourself, I guess. I like it. Yeah. Metaphorical and <laughs> realistic. <laughs> I'm still not back in the jeans, but I feel back in the jeans as in like, I feel, I definitely feel more myself. And I keep, at Christmas, I was like, I kept saying to Ronnie, he's like, this is my husband. And he's like, stop going on about it. But I was like, do you remember this time last year? And I was really sad. And then we walked around, I was just like crying all the time. And he's like... Yeah, because it was really hard for me as well. And, and you forget that yeah. it was really hard for everybody around me as well. I was honestly probably a very difficult person to be around because I just didn't feel like myself. So, mm. um, but then when John says that to me, I'm like, well, imagine how I felt in my body, <laughs> not knowing myself. And then he's like, how have you, made, <laughs> you, have you flipped this, <laughs> have you flipped this around? I'm like, I'm not sure, but it's working, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, this time last year was really, um, I felt, I, I feel like a completely different person. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, and that's on growth and that's on different seasons mm. of life and learning. And as you said, like so much this year has yeah. been, like you do get those learnings out of the tough times, but also it would be nice not to have them so intensely mm. I'm sure yeah what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given I honestly think that it's in a sentence that not everybody thinks and does the same as you and that's okay I'll go back to like learning this it's a lesson that I learn over and over again not that I don't learn the lesson but I think that I I kind of forget maybe um but just because at school, you would invite somebody to your party. doesn't mean that they're going to invite you to your party. Just, just because you invite someone to your party doesn't mean they're going to invite you to their party. That doesn't mean they think any less of you. That doesn't mean they don't love you. That doesn't mean that they aren't a great person. It's that people are different and they see things differently and they do things differently, but that doesn't, that doesn't make them worse or, mm. 
or better. I think it's just understanding that people are, 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 are different. Mm. I think that's really important. Like everyone has different ways of, of doing things. And, you know, sometimes you get upset that a, a, a friend would do or say something, well, you wouldn't do that, you wouldn't say that. But that's okay, just mm. because you wouldn't or you don't or you couldn't doesn't make what they're doing less than mm. or more than. And I think that it's a lesson that I, le I learn, I, I keep learning. And, but I think it's a really important lesson to learn. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And in a world where we receive so many people's in information in terms of what they do, like how they live their life and all of these things, being able to have that strength of self, but also strength of understanding that that can work for them. And that is more than fine. Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, it, that doesn't necessarily mean that it is going to for you. Mm -hmm. um, or that you're living your life wrong because you're not living your life with their values. Mm -hmm. Like it can both be equally valid. And what are you most looking forward to for this year? Um, this sounds so cheesy, but everything. I like, I love life. I get so excited. I love meeting people. I love doing things like this. I love going on holidays and feeling inspired, seeing, I don't know, a piece of fabric that I'm like, oh my God, let's, like, can I do a rug collaboration and do this? Yeah, I just, I, I, I'm really excited about everything. But I'm also excited about being more thoughtful and um, not thinking about things in the short term as in a 12 or a, a mm. two years, but thinking about things longer term than that and not in a, um, in, a, in a materialistic way with tangible things, but how do I build a lasting business? How do I create friendships that are meaningful how do I create meaningful relationships um and not be just thinking about just the tomorrow but thinking about yeah things um with a bit more kind of legacy and substance to them mm. and I think that it when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. It's a perfect place to end, and we will all be going for a life well lived. Uh. I feel like that's such a good saying and like motto to live by I feel like because it ties into so many different things as well mm. like it's a different thing every day and yeah. sometimes it is about work and sometimes it's about life and family mm -hmm. and like all of these different things mm -hmm. um and thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me you've been great mm -hmm. 